This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Get charged up for action that'll shock your system. Tell me that's not cool. An unstoppable superhero and his crew embark on impossible missions and will bring mutated villains to justice. When static's in the house, bad guys better step off. Pull the plug on crime with the adventures of Static Shock. Yeah! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, everybody, to episode 272 of the DCAU Review. Hey, that rhymes, as so often is the case when we get to these numbered episodes. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, my good brother, the man that runs most of our social media accounts, including Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, um, and uh, and Instagram, uh, for the most part. It's Liam. Liam. Welcome to a brand new month, uh, especially if you're listening to this on the day that it drops or perhaps the week that it drops. We are in a brand new month here, and uh, that means we are out with the old, in with the new. We are switching shows as we tend to do from month to month. We uh, wrapped up last week with an Elseworlds tale of the Batman as we had a little mini celebration of the 30th anniversary of Nightfall. We might Mm -hmm. have a uh, a bonus episode before the year's out talking specifically about Nightfall, but we had a couple of great back-to-back episodes talking. We were riding the Bane train, as we called it, but now we... The the train has left the station. The Bane train has left the station, and uh, we have taken a uh, a southbound train towards the sunny skies of Dakota for the majority of this month, and uh, that means we're talking Static Shock. That's absolutely right, and we've uh, we'll we have sort of a uh, Trojan horse secret theme for this month, which we will uh, we will talk more about at the end of this week's episode. But yes. We are kicking it off first with an episode uh, entitled Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, uh, sort of the series homage to a classic uh, zombie zombie horror movie and uh, a good deal of uh, a little bit of Hanna-Barbera in, that, in the DNA of this too, I think. We'll talk about it as we get into our main categories. But yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff to get into today. Absolutely. A very fun episode we're about to chat about. And of course, this episode is uh, is from season two of Static Shock, and uh, it originally aired on the Kids WB here in the United States on April the 6th, 2002, meaning we 
uh, just past the 21 year anniversary of this episode's original debut. So, you know, that means it can buy alcohol in every state in the United States. So that means <laughs> uh, no, no uh, alcohol restrictions for this episode. But uh, but before we get into our breakdown of the episode and uh, as well as our scores for our categories, we will, of course, get to the official Internet Movie Database synopsis for this week's episode, which, as it is each and every week, is brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to YouTube.com slash The Pod Tower today and subscribe, and you'll get some tremendous content delivered to you on a weekly basis from the great folks at Watchtower Database that have their ongoing Jump on the Bat Wagon podcast, which uh, as of right now is going through the Batman, the animated series. And I believe uh, James's ultimate goal is to go through the entire DCAU. But that's kind of fun because they're doing it as uh, in air date order. So uh, be sure to check that out. That's pretty fun. And then, uh, of course, you get the entire Tim Talk podcast, which has already reviewed this episode that we're covering today, as well as every other episode of the DCAU. And they've done it in their own unique way. Lots of content from them on the same channel. And, of course, our entire catalog as well, all available in one convenient place, ready for you to stream at your convenience. That's at YouTube.com slash The Pod Tower. Head over today and subscribe. Absolutely. So this is the synopsis for Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, which was written by Len Yuli, directed by Dave Klistek. I'm going to get that pronunciation right, I promise. But uh, music by Richard Wolf and animation by Tama Production Co. And that synopsis reads as such. Control freak Madeline. No, control freak's a different villain. Control freak Madeline gains... Control, terrible. Ugh. Oh. I have to start over because the sentence structure is bad. Okay. All right, here we go. Power and on through. <clears throat> control freak Madeline gains control over the human mind and takes over the entire freshman class to become their president. Static is the only one immune. Oh, boy. Uh, not a great synopsis there. Going to go with... Can't use the same word twice in the same sentence. That's a big no-no. Can't, mm -hmm, can't mm -hmm. double down on that. Static being the only one who is immune feels like a uh, minor plot point. You could didn't necessarily need to mention it in the synopsis for the episode. Perhaps Static has to stop her uh, would have been significant enough. Or Static is the only one who can stop her. That makes him seem a lot more heroic. Uh, instead, we ended up with that mess. And uh, I would give that a D minus. Uh, no infactual uh, parts of it, but definitely not very strong at all. Agreed. <laughs> all right. So that will bring us to our plot synopsis. Uh, not, not a high bar to try and cross there, Liam, but we will do our very best not to disappoint as we... Uh, as we start the episode off, we have uh, a young lady who is walking around campaigning, uh, talking about the various different things that she is trying to get uh, elected as class president for the changes that she's going to make. And we learn this is a young Madeline Spalding is her name. She's running for class president. She has ways that she's going to change the class and she's being dismissed by many people. It's very clear that she's 
really, really not uh, not very popular, doesn't seem to have very many fans, not many people interested. And uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, as she's walking around, Static arrives at school, uh, changing, doing his best to fly behind some bushes and change back into uh, his civilian state as Virgil and uh, nearly gets discovered. His uh, secret identity nearly gets discovered uh, as uh, as Madeline interrupts and happens to hear him in the bushes changing. Uh, he makes up a quick excuse and uh, quickly is uh, it realizes that Madeline really isn't paying attention to anything or why he would be in a bush. She's simply focused on getting her points across as to why she needs to be made class president. Ah. That was such an easy morning patrol. I still have 15 minutes before class starts. Hello. Hi. Oh, I just, uh, see, I lost a book, which is uh, why I'm back here. I, mm. Hello, my name is Madeline Spaulding. Madeline, I know. We're in the same homeroom. Then you may also know that I'm running for freshman president. Good for you. Well, I'd better... And if elected, I will do all I can to make Dakota Union a high school of which everyone can be proud. In fact, I've drawn up a description of my platform that includes 32 issues. Item one, uniforms. Madeline. To keep distractions Madeline. such as improper clothing Madeline. or social pressures from negatively impacting the educational environment. Gotta run. But I didn't finish explaining. One signature down, 49 to go. He's the first needed of 50. So uh, she's got a, a big, big hill to climb if she's going to be uh, entered into the race as a as a candidate, we discover. <laughs> uh, we we flash into the school where uh, we see Richie is uh, is not too happy with the vending machine. He's uh, he's it's eaten his money. He's very frustrated. Uh, Virgil does help him out a little bit by using a little bit of electricity, you know, that uh, whenever it's needed, the electricity comes into play. He shocks it enough where not only does it spit out what Richie wanted, but it then spits out about half a dozen other items, uh, causing both Richie and Static to fly backwards into the wall. And and uh, Static gets uh, pelted with some fruit leading <laughs> all kinds of humor there. So uh, we we cut to, to Richie, who talks is in the lunch uh, lunchroom with Virgil. They're talking about how there have been complaints about the the uh, the vending machines for months, and uh, nothing has been done about it. So Richie is encouraged at that point to uh, to run for class president himself, and stands up uh, on top of a table, gets a full endorsement from Static, and it's very clear that Richie has a large support group from his fellow classmates. This, of course, leaving Madeline quite frustrated, quite upset, as she realizes that uh, that Richie is uh, is now probably going to get the, the nomination as opposed to her to run against uh, Joey Bombora, who is also running for class president. <laughs> so uh, she, she immediately becomes jealous and... Uh, be but her jealousy seems to be leading to the stomach pains that she's having sort of doubles over a little bit and uh, static and, and Richie show concern for her, but she insists that everything's okay. Uh, she walks away, begins doubling over again as the pain continues. And then we get this odd flashback to what we learn is the night of the big bang with her mm -hmm. interviewing a very familiar looking homeless man who, That's uh, right. 
talk about, I guess we don't need to talk about it in uh, visuals, but is in fact uh, the same homeless guy that turns into ragtag uh, in the, in the episode mm-hmm. later on the, uh, the magic homeless man, if you recall, that's right. uh, gives, but uh, gives Richie superpowers for a, for a minute. That's right. Um, never seen again outside of this episode though. Mm-hmm. But so uh, we learned that she was there next to Ragtag, also gained superpowers in the same Big Bang, of course. And uh, she realizes at this point, as her eyes are opened, that uh, she may or may not have the ability to influence those around her as she uh, she begins not only reading people's thoughts, she uh, she begins the ability to hear people's thoughts, the their what they're thinking uh, all throughout the lunchroom, but as uh, she sees two of the larger, I believe, junior varsity football team players make eye contact with her and they think that she's staring at them. Uh, They say some intimidating words towards her, but she tells them to buzz off and is able to make, turn them into the sort of mindless zombies, if you will. And uh, they actually obey her very word and begin acting like flies. And this dawns on her immediately that she has the ability to not only read people's minds, but control them as well. Uh, I can't believe Mr. Lawler gave us a quiz. Your audio is that cafeteria you like a meter. Oh, there's Brian. He is such a hottie. She's looking at my zit. I know she is. I hope they don't beat me up again. Hey, Spalding. You got a problem? Yeah, her problem is nobody's gonna vote for her. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you both buzz off? I can control them. That's right. She says as much just to, uh, (laughs) just to really drive that point home. But yes, as, uh, as uh, as mentioned, there we go to the next day where we see a sort of a, I guess a pep rally where the candidates are former former formally announcing their uh, their candidacy, and we see Joey up there about to give the speech, the most popular guy in school, and uh, as Virgil and Richie are backstage sort of discussing things, they notice that uh, Madeline is also nearby, and uh, once again she uses her mental powers to take over joey's brain and uh decides he's not going and all of a sudden joey decides he isn't going to uh to run for class president after all and uh, as richie approaches madeline he too is affected and uh, as she goes through richie's mind she makes a uh, pretty interesting discovery as she uh she notes that uh, virgil is a lot more interesting of a of a guy at her school than she realizes and literally runs off into the shadows (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it is so silly i love it but it's so silly uh so she runs away and uh and and richie notes that uh he he felt like he could hear uh hear madeline's voice in his head as uh as he began to sort of lose his mind there and uh and uh and then they all see also what's happening to joey so virgil is a little bit concerned and uh, and decides he's gonna go go home and do a little bit of reading. He's uh, he borrows Sharon's textbooks about uh, psychology to try to understand <laughs> what's uh, what's happening. And uh, I love this bit. Well, 
looky here. Virgil Hawkins, slack off extraordinaire, actually hitting the books? Uh-huh. Mr. All-School Merit Scholar, Mr. I don't need to study. Mr. What are you reading? Hmm? These are my psychology books. I know, sorry, but I need to learn about how the mind works. In case you ever get one? Come on, I won't hurt them. Then maybe next time you'll ask before you just grab my stuff. Please, Sharon. Some of the kids at school have been acting weird. I'm trying to figure out why. Go on. I figure maybe it's drugs or a virus or something in the water. Or somebody with telepathy. Say what? Well, there's this girl, Madeline. Kind of a pain. Anyway, she's running against Richie for freshman class president. Only Richie thinks she's a bang baby and can turn people into brain puppets. Brain puppets? <laughs> okay, I know it sounds crazy. Brain puppets? Oh, oh, Virgil, you've definitely been watching too much science fiction. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, well, that's what I told Richie. Sharon's giving him a hard time about stealing her books without asking. And he explains that something's going on at school where people aren't acting like themselves. And maybe it's drugs or maybe it's mind controlling brain puppets, as 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 he calls it. <laughs> and she she just bursts into laughter. This is the silliest thing Sharon's ever heard. And I'm like, if you live in this town. Right. <laughs> How do you, where do you get off laughing off anything? <laughs> like, there's giant purple hulks. There's <laughs> that kid that could, like, turn his toys into giant monsters. Uh-huh. There's a fire guy. There's a water girl. There's... Rubber, she was dating rubber band man. Right. It's <laughs> like, where do you get off saying that mind control is, is like, that's a step too far when you live in Dakota. It's like, and I understand it plays into kind of like the, the horror movie uh, mm-hmm. homage that this is where, you know, some the, the main characters kind of figuring out that something's amiss and everybody around him is telling him he's crazy and right. he worries too much. I get what they're go what they're going for here. And it is a very funny scene. It was just one of those things where you go like, where, where does, <laughs> where do you get off saying that that's too ridiculous for Dakota when uh, when we think about all of the crazy stuff we've seen, right. when we've seen Coolio and uh, <laughs> and whatever else in this uh, in this crazy town? But yes, uh, so Virgil decides uh, he's going to sleep on it and then try to figure figure out what's next. And as he uh, as he drifts off to Slumberland, he begins to have some very strange uh, dreams, and it becomes clear that while uh, while Madeline was in uh, Richie's head, uh, she has, in fact, put two and two together and uh, has figured out that Virgil and Static are the same person. And we get this very trippy dream sequence, which we'll certainly talk more about in visuals. And uh, as Virgil wakes up, thinking at first that it was all just a bad dream, he happens to peer out his window and see more of these zombie brain puppets walking in the street. And if that's not bad enough, as he goes to open his door, he gets another surprise. Yep. It's not just uh, it's just not his fellow classmates that have succumbed to the the brain puppet master here. We uh, we see that uh, Virgil's dad and uh, and sister also are uh, have 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 been affected by it. And they are trying to force him to stay in his room. And uh, he has to uh, he has to he has to kind of go up against them a little bit. He, he shocks them both a little bit and uh, locks them in his room. 
uh, he after successfully evading his dad's large grasp and uh, he makes it out on his own and uh, out on the street. He does interact with a few additional uh, brain puppets, including Richie, who uh, who unfortunately tries to uh, tries to also restrain uh, static, but uh, or Richie or I'm sorry, Virgil, but uh, is is not able to Virgil then. Uh, realizes that he has to figure out exactly what's going on and sees all of the zombies are headed in seemingly in one direction. And he kind of follows them and realizes they are, uh, they are in fact headed to the school. Virgil does his best to sort of blend in with the other zombies so that they don't, uh, don't notice him. A classic zombie trope in order to disguise yourself, uh, amongst the zombies, you have to become a zombie. That's uh, that's uh, that's that's from Night of the Living Dead all the way up through uh, The Walking Dead. I believe that's a pretty uh, pretty standard trope there. So more homages to the classic genre there. And uh, as he gets to the school, he realizes that uh, he he finds Madeline there about to make a speech in front of a zombie audience, which I, I cackled at. I thought that that was quite funny. <laughs> uh, she She's brought them all there and forces them to give reactions uh, to her and is uh, verbally displeased when uh, they don't cheer when they say that she's going to run and win the presidency of the school the next day. is Madeline Spaulding, and I am running for freshman class president. Hello. Yay. Some of us are destined for greatness. It's a gift, but it's also a burden, especially if nobody else appreciates that greatness. This could go on a while. Especially if everybody is so mean and not doing their job so that the really great people have to do all the extra work and never get any thanks and never get invited to sleepovers or anything. Only now it's going to be different. Tomorrow you will all vote for me as president of the freshman class. And if that goes well, why stop with freshmen? I could run the school. I could be president of everybody. Whoa there, Madam President. I demand a recount. What are you doing here? Shutting you down, lady. I have your whole crazy speech on tape. Your cover is blown. She also mentions in her speech that she may not stop with uh, with class president, that she might uh, take over the world as well. <laughs> of course. Of course she will. And it's uh, it's that uh, it, during this time. We uh, we realized that Virgil has uh, snuck up and began videotaping. See, kids videotapes. It's kind of like a cell phone, <laughs> uh, except it was a giant device that required a uh, a giant uh, item to record said video on it instead of a tiny little cell phone. But he records the entire speech and uh, threatens to take it to the Dakota police uh, eventually. Or I guess that's his plan. But he is stopped. Uh, as he has transformed into static and uh, shows, uh, you know, reveals to Madeline that he in fact has the tape. She sicks her uh, her brain puppets on him, and uh, there's a chase that happens through the school. Uh, they're they're the zombies end up getting buckets of water and throwing them on static, which has in fact in the past been a vulnerability for static we did learn that in one of the episodes recently i think one of the ones we covered in the last month there was mm-hmm. 
water was a was a big vulnerability for him. So that dampened his powers. He wasn't able to use his powers. So there is a very Scooby Doo like chase that occurs after that, as uh, <laughs> as you may have alluded to in our intro. As Static is chased across the school, across the basketball court, uh, after being showered with water, and uh, eventually is caught by the uh, by the football team the varsity team catches him in the locker room and as madeline uh is celebrating her victory and talking about how uh not only is she not threatened by the fact that static has the tape but if he were to take it to the police she'll just take over the police's mind as well and uh she's going to continue to take over everybody's mind and that static is extremely lucky that uh, he he has this vulnerability and uh, it's right then her hubris, as is the case in most cases with the, mm-hmm. the villain, mm-hmm. takes over and she decides uh, that Static is, uh, she's not going to let it stand that she can't take over his mind. She's going to use her powers, uh, hand, a hands-on approach of placing her hands on Static's temples in an attempt to overpower his uh, his invulnerability to this mind control and it doesn't quite work out in Madeline's favor. Static. Richie? Yes, Richie. And the varsity football team. You may as well give me that videotape. Even if you show it to the police, I would just take over their minds too. From now on, I'm the boss. Oh yeah? Well, you're not the boss of me. Am too. Am not. Am too. Am not. Oh, hold him! Why are we out here in our underwear? That's right. As, uh, as she tries to, as you said, physically uh, bend bend Virgil to her will. She's overwhelmed by the there's a there's a literal shock to her system. In fact, <laughs> as, uh, as static it gives her a big jolt of electricity, which fries not only her body but also apparently her brain. As she immediately drops back and fit, she immediately drops back and faints, and then. Uh, and then we see all of her, all of her zombie puppets have returned to normal, and uh, and we see that uh, we see that Madeline has passed out, and uh, all of the all of the students are kind of confused and embarrassed to be walking around school in their pajamas. It's everybody's worst nightmare, come <laughs> come to life. You're in you're in school in your pajamas, but uh, we get a short little epilogue at school where we see that uh, where we see that Joey has uh, has won the presidency. Richie graciously uh g- gives him a concession speech and and congratulates him on winning and then as they walk off uh, Virgil mentions that he went to check in on Madeline who has been in a uh, in an, has been placed in an asylum and uh, at the moment doesn't even remember her own name or that she's a metahuman much less his secret identity so that allows him to uh to have a little bit of peace of mind after she had uh, previously threatened to expose him if he uh, if he tried to stop her so all's well that ends well as uh, as our two buddies go off to uh to get some get some snacks to uh to end the episode all right william so i guess we can talk about our scores for this episode it is 
I will preface before we get into our scores. It is a goofy episode for sure. I think we, you were right off the bat. Um, I say goofy in an endearing way too, not goofy. Oh yeah. Dumb. It's, it's a clear love letter, as you mentioned, to a classic zombie movie, whatever your favorite zombie movie or zombie television show is. This is a a clear homage to that from the points of the uh, character coming to grips with the fact that they can turn people into zombies using that power for evil. Um, you know, the invasion of, of Static's mind while he's in sleep in his sleep. Um, there's certainly some some scary moments i would say some mm-hmm. uh some i think if i was a kid would have been somewhat frightening to me if i was watching this episode um so i i love that they called back to some of those classic horror movie tropes um you do have some homage to like a scooby-doo type thing in this as well of course it takes place at a high school and some of it is played for laughs and, and the way that the zombies kind of look and walk and as i said some of the uh, some of the jokes that are used and thrown in and you know, the way that our, our villain sort of reacts and talks and ultimate goal. And the fact that she's basically undone by a, by in a Daffy duck uh, bugs bunny argument type of way where she's, you know, tricked into trying to, to get statics to, to succumb to the, the brain puppetism is, is pretty funny as well. So you get some different homages to, to more of the comedic uh, 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 examples of, of a, of a cartoon like this. So it's a lot of fun. I did enjoy it. I think that looking at the setting, honestly, I didn't, didn't think that this was something that would be too alien for like a season three Batman beyond episode. Like it's a little bit more jokey than you would expect from a, from a Batman beyond episode. But I feel like, there's a lot that could have fit right in here. Like it felt similar in tone to that third season of Batman beyond. Cause it, some of it was played for laughs, but there was a lot that was, that was pretty serious and pretty high stakes. So um, I really enjoyed it overall. It is a little bit goofy, like I said, so it's hard to give this a very serious, like high, high score. But I think as far as, what they were looking to accomplish, the things they were looking to homage, uh, the things that they were, uh, the fun that they were trying to have while also telling this story and ultimately setting up some more stories down the, down the road. Uh, I think, I think, I think they did a really good job. So I ended up giving a, uh, a seven out of 10 for this episode. What about you? Yeah, I actually gave it the exact same score. I think it's uh it's very fun. It is very light and silly. And like you said, there's a, a lot of a lot of scooby-doo in the dna of this episode there's a lot of uh you know kind of classic schlocky horror uh, vibes to it which we'll certainly talk about again in uh in uh in visuals as well but yeah it's 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 a very fun episode there are little things that just always make me laugh in stories like this like when we start the episode and madeline is like it's not just that like people don't like she's like quiet and kind of mousy and people don't know her now everybody knows her in this school it's just everyone hates her <laughs> like and it always makes me question uh like what what did she do to this school <laughs> what did she do to all these people like right before this episode started where everyone is like the second she walks because she's like she's you know she's just at she wants to get some signatures so she can run for class president like it's not like that's that's that terrible of a thing and clearly like 
Richie, Richie and Virgil are never portrayed as like the most popular kids in school, but like Richie got those signatures real quick. So it's just like, there's so it's not like you're, but you're also really never meant to feel sorry for her. This isn't like a, like a carry situation or something where this is like the, the bullied, you know, the bullied girl takes revenge. Like you don't really get that vibe from it. It's just like, she's just kind of this weird, annoying person from the second we meet her. Right. And and she just never step like never lets her foot off the gas, and then all of a sudden she gets. It's just that uh, you know she gains this magical power that allows you know allows her to make people do what she wants instead of just sort of impotently complaining and yelling at them. So it's like it's it's just funny to me when they have a character like this. We're like, like there's not there's not we're not really trying to make like a. Again, it's a it's a quick episode, and for, and for what the plot is, it works perfectly. Again, I'm not; it's not at all in any way a critique. It's just always funny when you introduce a new character like this, and you're like, everyone immediately is just like, "Ugh, oh, I hate this person." Before she, before she's ever like a supervillain that's trying to turn the entire city into zombies, she's already like somehow everybody's least favorite person at this school and i just think that's hilarious and so i i enjoyed that uh that that part of this uh this plot as well and then yeah like i said it's just uh just silly uh silly zombie homage like we like we said and uh and yeah it's 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 a lot of fun it's a silly fun plot and then you you mix up the uh the soup every every show set in a high school like you said, this could have been a Beyond episode. Like any school set in the high high school, you got to do the class president episode at some point. So, For sure. absolutely, so, yeah. I think it, it checks another box off the uh, the genre. A couple different the uh, genre homages for for Static in this case. All right, Liam. Let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visuals. And as you mentioned, Tama Production Co. Ltd. is responsible for this week's animation. And uh, you know, we tend to talk about the animation studios uh, kind of briefly when we're going through. We know our favorites. We know the ones that uh, you know, the Coco Dong Yangs, the TMSs. Uh, the ones that were like, yeah, these are really, really good. And then, you know, of course, those that we don't love a lot. And uh, this one uh, we talked about before we went on the air only ended up doing four episodes and we've only covered one of the episodes thus far of static that they did. And that was pop's girlfriend, which uh, I believe we covered the last month. We did static mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Uh, you can check that one out in the archives at DCAUreview.com. It's an interesting episode to talk about. But uh, yeah, so thoughts on the animation studio um, from your perspective, mine, I'd say um, very dynamic in the way that the characters move. I thought it was definitely more that Disney flavor of characters being very expressive with their eyes and their, their uh, you know, the way that they emoted themselves and big wide eyes. And that's not even counting like the zombie expressions and stuff like that <laughs> way. Uh, that they communicated the the characters once they had been turned into brain puppets. But uh, I thought for a season two episode, again, we're looking back, not a lot of cell shading done. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the season one character designs or the early season character designs. I, I, th- I thought that the animation studio was pretty solid. I didn't notice any real inconsistencies or real odd things other than the characters were extremely expressive and moved a lot. Like they move a lot in the, in their communication, like their hands are moving, their arms are moving. There's not a lot of pardon the pun static animation, which, 
in a way I think <laughs> makes things look a little bit better, but that's, that's just my opinion. Any, uh, any thoughts on the, the overall animation studio along with our other animation visuals? Yeah, I think we're, we, I think we talked about this last month when we did static, this we're in this weird, like transitional era of static where we're still in season two, but they've already, I think kind of updated the model sheets a little bit and they're kind of already sort of melding him more into that uh, that DCAU style. He's not quite as like sharp. He doesn't have like quite as that like sharp and like that thin pointy chin as he did uh, kind of in season one and the start of season two. Um, so there feels like a more gradual redesign. More, I would say more akin to sort of how the the back end of uh, Batman the Animated Series, we got more of the we kind of did away with those alternate takes on Batman and we just got like that super, super square jaw on model Batman for pretty much every episode after. Mm-hmm. Um, I, fe- I feel like that with this, this, this back half of, uh, of this season of static, it's, it's kind of this weird hybrid of the early season animation with the, uh, with what would become the, the standard going forward for seasons three and four. So we're kind of in this weird transitional era, but yeah, as a, uh, as an episode itself, yeah, I think that there's not a ton of like straight up, you know, superhero action because there's not really a villain for Static to, uh, you know, to fight in a traditional sense that, uh, and we can talk about more specific sequences in a second. But yeah, I think as far as what they, what they pulled off, and we'll talk about it from the from the direction. What I'm sure was a lot of a lot of work from the from the director and storyboard artists as well of. Uh, all the kind of specific, a lot of, a lot of close-ups, which of course make, because every time you do the, the zombie reveal, you kind of get the big close-up with, as you mentioned, the big wide eyes and the open mouth and everything. So they do some, uh, some pretty fun uh, tricks, I think with the camera and then close-ups and zooms and reaction shots that maybe we don't get in our, our average static episode because he's usually fighting, you know, giant bugs or purple guys or whatever. So this uh this gave us a little more to uh, to play with as far as the uh the big uh, horror movie style uh face reveals and things like that to uh, to play with in the animation yeah i agree with you it's uh they the way that the characters again the especially the zombie faces the different w- ways that they kind of showed those transformations once she took over um i thought that those mm-hmm. were done really well i liked that the characters really kind of give you that classic stiff sort of distorted body of a zombie um, as they're kind of walking around, whether it's through the city or in the school or um, it it really drives home, (laughs) you know, that this is an homage to, to a classic zombie film uh, or a living dead film, if you will. Um, Really. uh, I I liked the, the brief homage homages here and there to the Scooby-Doo that same, uh, sequence that I mentioned where he's trying to escape the uh, the group from the school and there's there's a literal like left to right pan of static running across the screen and then this just this crowd of of uh, of brainless humans following him it's just it looks like Scooby and Shaggy running away from the monster of the week you know it's, it's a clear uh, nod to that um, I thought the dream sequence was super trippy. Mm-hmm. I liked that, uh, you know, where static is dreaming and you mostly it was the backgrounds and the the different uh, optical illusions they used to kind of create that dreamy sequence. Um, but even like the giant Madeline's giant head that shows up and it starts out, mm-hmm. out off as just like a mouth and then it turns into a full head and then it morphs back and it's uh super trippy. 
thought they had a lot of fun doing that. Meanwhile, like Virgil is static is flying around in there. And um, you know, the backgrounds keep changing and shifting into these different three-dimensional, you know, optical illusions. Um, but I thought that was done really, really well. Also, um, yeah, I, I think overall, uh, looking at the the episode as a whole, I think it's it's pretty fun. And, uh, you know, they took some of those those uh, artistic liberties, I'd say, because it was a little more goofy of an episode to have more fun. Um, there's one shot where they I think static is coming to this realization um, that the entire town is turned into uh, zombies. So they do this kind of far out shot shot and then it cuts and it's like a close up shot of his eye and then they go all the way into his iris so you get this like three consecutive shots and it's not a straight zoom. It's just like a cut. So you get a far out medium and then a close up. And I thought that was, you know, reminiscent of a comic book panel or, uh, you know, it could be a horror movie also, but mm-hmm. um, really enjoyed that too. But overall, I think looking at the, at and grading on a curve, especially for this show, some of the problems that we've had with, Uh, some of the early season animation i thought this episode was really smooth i thought that the characters looked on model for the most part some of the expressions were were just i thought really really strong so i ended up giving a a pretty strong score of eight out of ten for the animation what about you yeah and i uh, i once again gave it the exact same score uh just for for all the reasons we've talked about the the specific horror movie homages i believe there's a specific one that's uh the when uh you get this kind of strange scene where Virgil runs out into the street and he kind of gets through the crowd and he sees Richie standing kind of off in the distance and all of a sudden fog just rolls in for one second and then disappears again, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you get, you get the big dramatic turnaround where Richie, you know, kind of hisses and points at him, which I think is a specifically a, a homage to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is kind of like, like I said, one of those very classic uh, schlocky horror movies um so that i thought that was fun and like i said the as you already mentioned the uh the uh i think we were talking about plot the the scooby-doo chase when virgil gets uh gets his power shorted out by the water and he has to just run away on foot from these people and it's literally it's like the hanna-barbera running animation like if you're if you're at all familiar with any of those cartoons you know exactly what i'm talking about mm-hmm. where where it's you know static running across the, the background and then all and then this like crew of people you know quickly quickly running behind him like it's 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 so hanna-barbera it's it's incredible like it's it's a great little uh quirky homage to throw in there and and then yeah the actual like I said, all, all the close-ups of, of of the zombies and stuff i thought are fun and then and then as you mentioned i think uh, undoubtedly the highlight of the episode is that uh or the visual highlight at least is that dream sequence where he's floating through all this sort of strange text that he's falling through these giant uh, Madeline for president posters. And then, like you said, the, the mount, the sort of Cheshire grin appears and then, you know, her face appears with the glowing eyes. It's all very, very trippy and, and fun. It felt, it felt like I said, because, because we don't have a traditional supervillain for static to zap or punch or whatever it, it gave the, you know, the directors and storyboard artists and animators a, a big chance to do some really fun trippy stuff for what we could do with our you know quote-unquote action for this week's episode and they did some really fun stuff with it yeah i agree completely and it reflects in our scores because of it so great job uh to uh our animation team and our director for this week 
All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be a the music category. And uh, that was, of course, done by Dick Wolfie Wolf, not uh, not the Law and Order Dick Wolf, as we <laughs> tend to point out, as we do each and every time we review a static episode. But um, yeah, so music for this week. I was a little bit nervous because we kicked off with a song with lyrics. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a very long episode if I have to uh, review this and every single musical number uh, accompanying our zombies is like a goofy lyrical uh, composition. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised as uh, I don't recall hearing another lyrical composition for the remainder of the episode. So um, great job, Mr. Wolf. Uh, because of that, I went uh, with a pretty standard score of five out of 10. Uh, I thought that the music that accompanied some of, again, the the trippy dream sequence, I think that was enhanced certainly by some of the musical accompaniment. Uh, anytime that uh, Static sort of had the, the what would have been if this was a serious movie, I guess a, a jump scare moment where he's mm -hmm. realizing the, uh, the zombies are there or, or, or uh, Richie, as you mentioned, that one sequence is in fact a zombie. Um, his parents opening the door to his, his dad and his sister rather uh, outside of his door. Uh, there's some, some jump scare moments there that were accompanied mm -hmm. by some uh, classic crescendos uh, in that way. So I, I appreciated that, but uh, yeah, I, I think standard five out of 10 score is justified because I, I didn't think that there was anything um, that added to the, to it uh, in any particular way, but didn't take away from anything. And, course the less less uh music accompaniment that has uh has lyrical content uh, the higher the score for me so of course five out of ten what about you yeah i went a little bit higher i went uh, i actually went to six out of ten for my uh for my music score not too much higher but uh yeah i i thought the uh all of the as we've been talking about these sort of uh sort of you know 50s and 60s sci-fi horror homages they were all kind of accompanied with that those very like uh you know kind of twilight zoney uh, uh you know like uh, sounds and I, I don't i don't know the name of whatever that's that like whistle or whatever it is that's used when when like aliens show up in a in a black and white <laughs> tv show mm -hmm. but i feel like i feel like people can can tell what i'm talking about or at least i hope i hope they do um sure. uh I play drums. I don't know. I don't know the name. I barely know the names of any other. Uh, <laughs> like, if I can't pick up two sticks and hit it, I don't. Uh, I don't know what it is. But uh, so I'm not an expert to say that. But I. I felt like there was some good, uh, you know, genre uh, appropriate music for this sort of wacky one, as you mentioned. Got kind of got out of our our usual, you know, dance dance drum machine hip hop uh, music that uh, that we might expect for a static episode, and got into this sort of a ethereal kind of weird uh, twilight zony place for some of those uh, from some of those big zombie reveals and then uh, at the end there when when static's making making his big comeback at the end and he kind of gives her the zap and she begins to fall back we get the static theme kicked in at the end there so yeah i thought they they did a pretty fun job with it uh, overall and uh, added a little bit to that to the overall homage of this uh, as we said this sort of classic like 60s sci-fi horror feel that they were going for all right, Liam, let's uh, wrap things up here with our final category of the day, which is going to be our voice acting. And uh, while we have a lot of series regulars here and uh, in brief appearances, 
uh, we do get a couple of new voices as well worth talking about. Uh, so let's run down today's voice cast as we discuss our voice acting category. That's right. Not a uh, not a big cast this week. We do briefly have Michelle Morgan as Sharon. And uh, and uh, well, the credits said Kevin Michael Richardson's in this episode. I don't I don't think that's him doing the grunts for his <laughs> well, he, he does talk. He talks. Oh, he briefly. does. Okay, like it's in a zombie voice, but it's I I think it was okay. Him. So my okay, so it is him. But uh, but yes, yeah, so we have briefly Michelle Morgan. I do I do think Michelle Morgan's really funny in that scene where, like I said, even though it's preposterous that she wouldn't believe that mind control is possible. Uh, living in this town i think she's pretty funny in that scene but uh yeah it's mostly we we do have jason uh jason marston of course is richie doing a little bit of comic relief as he as he runs on his fix the vending machines campaign lots of homages to classic uh presidential uh, u.s presidential (laughs) campaign speeches as well as uh i did enjoy his one line where uh where static says uh you know that the that uh the what's the uh the guy that's running uh, joey's not smart enough to be president yes and uh and he says yeah he's a nice guy but he's not smart enough to be president and then he says yeah but that hasn't stopped anybody before <laughs> uh, i mean i'm not looking at anybody who is currently serving in office or has prior is <laughs> prior served in office but if that isn't a on the nose evergreen comment uh it uh it, for it, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yes, and uh, and Mr. Morrison's delivery of that line is uh, is great. Like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you could argue it's low hanging fruit, but it's all in the delivery. And, Absolutely, uh, and they're and they're great in that uh, sequence. And then, yeah, we do briefly have uh, a couple of our other regulars. Danica McKellar is briefly in here as Frida, and interestingly, Crystal Scales, who plays uh, uh, Daisy, is in this episode, but Daisy's not in this episode. So I guess they just brought, into, uh, yeah, like, yeah hey, just... record some extra dialogue. Right. But uh, but yes, our, our our main our main episodes, we do have Philip Tanzini vo- uh, voicing Joey, who's speaking of uh, of the episode with uh, the homeless guy who gives people superpowers. He previously played uh, Run, one of the uh, one of the uh, ah, okay. thugs of, uh, who worked for Ragtag in that episode. Uh-huh. Um, so back here playing uh, playing the the dumb jock in Joey. He's uh, he's solid in there. Has some funny moments, especially when he's doing the zombie speech. He's pretty uh, he's pretty funny there. And then yeah, we of course have our our main villain of the episode, Kimberly Brooks. Uh, playing uh, playing Madeline Spaulding does a lot of voices on on Static, and then uh, actually later on would go on to voice uh, Kathy Duquesne in the Mystery of the Batwoman uh, film, okay. and done a lot of other voice acting as well. She's very good because again, this is a lot for a guest star. We talk about this whenever a guest star is kind of asked to run the episode like she is. Like we start with her. She's kind of the main voice, other than, of course, Phil Amara's static. Like, she's kind of the main driving force of this episode. And just playing, again, like this. And also, like like I said, because it almost borderlines. Like, when, when Richie gets up on the table and is running her campaign, and then she comes over, and he's like, well, how many signatures do you have, Madeline? Like, right. it, it could borderline on, like, cruel and bullying. <laughs> Right. But she's so, but she, but uh, to Miss Brooks' credit, she's so 
kind of snooty and uptight and controlling throughout this episode that we never really drift into feeling sorry for her like she's a very like classic she very quickly becomes like this classic cackling saturday morning cartoon villain uh complete with a uh you know a a wicked witch of the west uh, wizard of oz uh homage and a and a and like the big witch cackle after it as well when she tells uh when she tells the students to get static and his little tape too like she just she completely embraced the uh the heel role so to speak in this week's episode no she's really really good very impressed i thought that um you know it's it's great that she comes back and has the opportunity to come back uh spoiler alert in some additional episodes um also having pl- she plays uh puff on the series as well so mm-hmm. another re- recurring character so um yeah it's 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 a very good performance she's a clearly a very gifted voice actress um she's also uh from our hometown of baltimore maryland too on top That's of it right. so, uh you know super super uh hometown pride with that one so yeah, uh, I, I greatly enjoyed uh, her performance. Uh, I think you buy it hook, line and sinker from the beginning, from her kind of general frustration and kind of being dismissed for whatever reason uh, that she's not liked very much to the immediate sort of switch that flips where she realizes that she has this power. And with this great power, she's not using any of the great responsibility that comes with it. She's <laughs> She's evil, baby. So she's going to use it. So, yeah, very talented actress. And uh, and uh, qu- quite frankly, blew me away with how how great from the di- the different different dynamics of what she has to do from the beginning, just kind of being a general high school student that's just trying to get elected and clearly is a little bit high strung, but, you know, doesn't doesn't give any hint that she's gonna gonna turn evil and then as soon as that switch gets flipped she embraces it and really really you buy into the fact that she really enjoys the fact that she can now actually control people's minds and there's some comedy bits that she has to fill in there some lines that she has to deliver and i thought all of that was really done really really well so really great performance from her and uh yeah looking forward to hearing a potential uh episodes where she she comes back and I uh, should also mention that she voices Oracle slash Barbara Gordon and Batgirl in quite a few uh, DC video games, including Injustice, including uh, the first two Batman Arkham games, and uh, and uh, and also I think in some of the Lego games as well. So uh, a well-seasoned uh, DC voice actress is Miss Brooks here. So uh, a lot of credits to her name. And then, of course, as mentioned, the great Phil Lamar, He's got a. He's kind of playing the uh, the straight man to all of this. The the guy who's reacting as the whole town goes crazy around him. He's he does a, a good job. Like I said, it's really it's really Miss Brooks's episode. But uh, of course, him as the uh, as the as the uh, the protagonist of the show has to still pull his weight. And unsurprisingly, he does a a solid job as well. And uh, I ended up giving voice acting uh, another pretty strong score of eight out of ten for this. Nice. I uh, I actually went one point higher with a nine out of ten. Um, I think if you take everybody else away and you just have Miss Brooks there, I think you have a strong enough episode to to argue for a really high score. But then, of course, you throw in uh, the great film Phil Lamar and Jason Marsden's chemistry, of course, working together. 
Phil had uh, Mr. Lamar had a lot to do uh, when it comes to some solo work as he's sort of narrating the parts where everybody else has turned into a zombie. So he has to he has to kind of dialogue a little bit uh, to himself. I thought that that still sounded natural. And then his interactions with everybody else and his interactions with Ms. Brooks at the end. So uh, all of that really, really strong and uh, I think well deserving of praise as uh, this was a all around really, really enjoyable episode. So, uh, yeah, I guess we can uh, begin to total up our scores now as we've reached the end of our episode and uh, totaling everything up. Liam, I come out with a a uh, at least for static, a, a pretty strong 29 out of 40. What about you? Yeah. And I think even though we we differed in a couple categories, it ends up equaling out to uh, the same final score as I also arrived at a 29 out of 40. So, yeah, um, to talk about rewatchability, this character does come back mm-hmm. and uh, in a pretty major way, uh, which we uh, which we will be talking about perhaps a little bit later this month, in fact. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got, a we got, uh, I think, I think, I think even this is just a very fun episode. It's a specific, yeah. like we said, it's a genre homage to a specific sort of era of, uh, of sci-fi and horror. And then it's also like the, uh, the, the, like we said, the class president episode. And then it's just kind of a silly, fun, funny episode on top of that. So I think this is uh, this is a pretty strong thumbs up for rewatchability. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say if uh, maybe not in the grand scheme of the DCAU, but we've talked about that, especially with the early episodes of Static, where he wasn't quite grafted in uh, that, you know, the argument could be made that not a lot of those episodes are important enough for the for the overall DCAU continuity as far as a must watch is concerned. But Static episodes, we've had our fair share that we didn't like or that we thought were just, you know, a little bit too kiddy or a little bit. Uh, lacking in some way or another i think as a even though it didn't didn't crack the above 30 mark for us i think overall this episode is solid in each one of our categories that we talked about here and maybe maybe uh on a different day the winds blow in a different different uh direction we might you know its score might have been even higher so I think as far as as recommending this episode, if you're watching, looking for a fun static episode to watch, I would say, hey, check out Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, especially if you're a fan of that like cult classic uh, horror movie genre of, you know, zombie movies or heck, if you watched uh, if you watched The Walking Dead for four or three or 10, however many seasons <laughs> it ended up with uh, you might, you might pull some things out of there that, uh, that you kind of chuckle over. So uh, even though this came out way before that show was on. So yeah, uh, I, I would say it's a recommendation for it, especially if you're looking for a, a fun, entertaining static episode. And as we mentioned, uh, that, you know, Madeline ends up coming back. So if you're watching through these, you may, may need to know who she is uh, based on, based on her reappearance. So I agree. All right, Liam, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Uh, don't forget, we would love your support if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, heck, even if you didn't enjoy this episode, we would still love your support. And there's several different ways for you to do so. Uh, the first of which is to support us by following us on our social media pages. Uh, that's at DCAU Review on Twitter slash X. I'm, I'm just going to call it Twitter forever. You guys can <laughs> 
talking about. Unless this is 50 years from now, whenever now is, and Twitter is long forgotten, um, you know, check us out on Twitter <laughs> at DCAU Review. Uh, you can also follow us uh, at uh, at DCAU Review on Instagram. We are also on Mark Zuckerberg's other social media sites, uh, but uh, those are used far less often. But hey, if you're on there and you want to follow us uh, or interact with us, you can always do so that way as well. We will get your information uh, one way or the other. Not not get your information. That sounds like we're going to stalk you. I mean, we're <laughs> we will get to any interactions that you have with us uh, one way or the other. So uh, you can also interact with us. If you listen to us on your favorite podcast app, we would appreciate a subscription. Uh, whether you listen through Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever podcast app you listen to, subscribe to us. Uh, your new episodes, of course, are delivered automatically when you do so. If your podcast app allows you to leave a review of some kind, five stars are appreciated. Uh, heck, if it allows you to leave a little blurb like Apple Podcast does, you can do so and we'll read those uh, and uh, appreciate them if you do. Uh, also, if you listen to us on Spotify, we don't mention this every single week, but uh, you can do so each and every week. There is a poll of the week and a question of the week that you can interact with us if you listen to us via Spotify. We do get some people that regularly do that. We appreciate those that do. Uh, give us your opinion. There's usually some comedy involved in the, the questions. They're usually not too serious, uh, but you can always interact with, with us that way. And then if you don't want to inter interact with us in public, you can always send us a DM via Twitter or Instagram if you want to share your thoughts about the episode or past episodes or general thoughts on the dcau or really anything so uh we love interacting with anybody that listens to the show and uh and we'll, we'll have some things probably that you want to interact with us beginning next week but uh another reminder check out the show notes if you want to support us monetarily there's a link to our store there if you want to buy a piece of merchandise there's also a link to donate to us directly if you want to buy liam and i a coffee and uh, thank you for listening to this podcast that uh, that uh, our, our monthly subscribers that support us on a monthly basis do so give their hard earned dollars every single month. And we appreciate you if you do that. And even if you don't do that, we appreciate you. But Liam, as I alluded to and as we alluded to, there is sort of a, uh, a backdoor theme to this month. And uh, we are excited because uh, over the next couple of episodes, we have some additional content to uh, to supplement with our standard reviews that we'll be giving. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that because this is a this is a fun month. Absolutely. So uh, as mentioned, this this first episode that we covered this much was written by a gentleman by the name of Len Yuli. And uh, in fact, every episode we cover this month will be uh, written by Mr. Yuli. And uh, starting next week, we will be covering with the first episode, that being the debut of a very memorable uh, supporting character to the later seasons of Static, that being Shebang. We have uh, Mr. Yuli on with us to talk about not only the creation of Shebang, but uh, a whole lot more of his time writing on Static. And as you mentioned, Cal, not only will we have uh, excerpts from that conversation about specifically about static dropped into our regular reviews but we actually have a very nice long-form conversation and interview with mr yuli that will be dropping later in the month as a bonus as well uh no no spoilers but just a great fascinating guy who's had a 
great long tenured career in uh, in animation and in writing in Hollywood and uh, and uh, and talked about a lot of stuff that uh, I think we we recorded a few months a couple months ago. We weren't sure if it would still be current, but uh, turns out there's even more people on strike than there were when uh, <laughs> when we uh, when we first uh, when we first recorded the episode. Now, so uh, great uh, great insights into kind of how the industry works, especially for people that are in animation who are in uh, even kind of uh, worse positions to negotiate sometimes than those in the uh, the big SAG and uh, and uh, and SAG after unions and stuff. So uh, a really fascinating conversation that will be dropping later in the month. But uh, you'll first get to hear Mr. Yuli next week when we review the aptly titled Shebang. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Not a uh, not a full sp- quote unquote special correspondent episode. We didn't go uh, and review each episode that he uh, directed, just because we we really wanted to get into some of the nitty gritty and his his fascinating career. So uh, we'll drop some of those into next week's review. And as Leah mentioned, we'll have the full review later on in the month. The full interview, rather later on in the month but uh, it's going to be great uh again just a a lovely human being works uh worked alongside some of the classic dcau creators mm-hmm. has some great insight into the the late great Dwayne mcduffie uh you're not going to want to miss it it's a uh, it's one to remember so can't wait it's going to be great but until then i'm cal and i'm liam and we will talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review adios